welcome to Mommy. Miss Mama says bad words. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I, I did it. Good job. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome to season four of Mom Jeans. This season is called the Bite Size Education Series, where we give you quick bits of science and psychoeducation to help you in your journey towards body respect. This season, we will be answering your listener questions and interviewing amazing experts to expand your knowledge. So get ready for easily digestible, pun intended, pieces of education in podcast form. Well, we are very excited to be welcoming Kira Osteroff from the Ellen Satter Institute today. And she is going to be our expert on what is the division of responsibility because we have been talking about it nonstop in our (laughs) previous seasons. So I'm sure all you listeners are like, finally, they have the real deal on because we want to hear directly from the source. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. All right. Can you please tell our listeners who you are and what work you do regarding this division of responsibilities? Sure. So I am a psychotherapist. I'm in private practice, and I'm also, as you said, a faculty member um, with the Institute and and a speaker uh, for the Institute. And um, really, that's an opportunity for me to um, spread the message uh, to as many people as we can, parents, professionals, organizations, um, so that they can really become familiar with the models. And um, while they might sound really simple, they can get really um, intricate, you know, just like, what does it really look like to follow the models? And, you know, is this congruent with the models? Is that congruent? So what I spend a lot of time doing is, is teaching people how to do that. And in my office, it's assessment of, um, whether it's kids that have uh, feeding issues or parents that are struggling to feed their kids. Um, I'm a certified eating disorder specialist. So um, I do a, a lot of work with those that, that are trying to live in recovery. And um, the models have been, Ellen's work has been so important to me in my um, career personally and professionally. Um, and it really is a, a guiding beacon. It's kind of like a lighthouse for me. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for her and for her life's work that it's there for us. Yeah. Yeah. I always think I'm like, Ellen, 
what did you do to create this, right? Like such a complicated yet simple process, right? And like, can I have some of that medicine, Ellen, so that one day I could create something like this that basically is hopefully widely used? Anyways, I'll get off that uh, celebrity crush there. But can you tell our listeners briefly what the heck the Division of Responsibilities are? If they, if you are just joining us and you haven't actually heard this term, Kira, help us. What is it in a okay. nutshell? Well, just before I answer your question, I still have a crush. (laughs) She is a superstar for sure. Like rock star status. Yep. Um, So you asked about the models. Um, You know, Ellen, for the last 50 years, she, she started her, her practice as a dietitian and a family therapist. And so there was this, um, this integration of knowledge of nutrition and food and what dietitians are supposed to do. But then there was also this seeing family dynamics and seeing that, um, that the, the standard conventional recommendations over time was doing harm. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it leads us a lot of times, most people to feeling like a failure. So she really believed that the intervention was the problem. We're not the problem. Like we're not failing. The intervention is failing us. And she saw, she saw it really from the perspective of boundaries, healthy boundaries and parenting. So over time, she would recommend that there be this exactly what it is division of responsibilities that parents have a job and kids have a job. And so over time, this idea became a full-fledged model and that's called the feeding dynamics model. And it outlines what it means for a kid or an adult now with the eating competence model to be a competent eater. And the division of responsibility really is the cornerstone of the model, which is how to get there. How do we help our kids be competent eaters? How do we help them develop a healthy relationship with food from birth? So it's really a protective factor. I don't know if I can say prevention, eating disorder prevention. I see it as prevention, Um, but truthfully, it's a protective factor because there are so many influences and eating disorders are, are multifaceted and they have not one single cause, but this is certainly when somebody has, and a kid has a, a healthy relationship with food and with their bodies and a healthy sense of boundaries, they do better in a lot of ways. And so, so what we've been telling our listeners is in a nutshell, The parents are in charge of the what, the when, the where, and the kids are in charge of if and how much. Yep. That's it. And that's it. Okay. I'm like, any elaboration? Sure. So the, the what is what we choose as parents, what to provide and, or where we're going. Cause that could be at a restaurant, right? Um, that could be a picnic that could be on a blanket while we're watching, little brother at soccer practice, a family meal. It's about family meals. 
and getting a meal to the proverbial table, whether the table is a picnic table, a restaurant table, a kitchen table, a blanket on the floor. It's people sharing the same food. So it is practicing this division of responsibility and choosing having the wherewithal to choose the what thoughtfully when that's happening and being consistent and reliable about providing so that our kids have lots of opportunities to practice learning trust, trust that they're going to be provided for, but trust in themselves that they know how much and what is best for them. Um, and so that's the win. It's reliable and predictable meals and snacks. And um, so what, when, and where, right? Um, and the kid has a job and like you said, am I gonna eat whether or not I eat and how much of it am I gonna eat? And the difficulty comes when parents do not enough of their own job, which is expecting a child to do too much, take on too much responsibility, um, or we interfere and try to do too much of our child's job and telling them what's enough, what's not enough, which again, sends the message to them, you can't trust yourself, right? So if you tell me I'm done and I say, no, you're not, you need more, that, that doesn't align with them developing trust. And if, um, and if, you know, the same is true in, in the opposite direction, it's all about interference. And so it's, you know, the good news is that there's always another opportunity because we're going to mess up. We're not perfect. And even there were times that, um, no matter how much I had studied and practiced in my office, there were still times that I didn't um, trust my kids, right? Or I would pressure or bargain or um, all the ways that we interfere. Um, and, you know, I think if we do it enough of the time, if we get it right enough of the time, we're doing pretty well. Yeah. I like how you're validating this is not a perfect system. Like we're not striving for perfection. We're just shooting for somewhat of consistency, but not perfection. Sure. Because I think when we can be compassionate with ourselves about that, I think there's space to be able to step back and go, you know what? I think I missed an opportunity. So it's, 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 you know, putting it into perspective too. We missed an opportunity and, you know, we can always go back too if we want to and say, eh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I feel like as you're talking, I love the simplicity of this. And then I'm thinking of all the parents writing and going, but what if, <laughs> but what if, but what if, but what if my kid only wants to eat chocolate and but what if my child will never touch his protein source? And, and you know, and then because we're, we're kind of in the, in the name of breaking diet legacies, what if the parent isn't at a healthy space mentally and emotionally in their relationship with food to provide a balanced what? 
You know, what if what if they're always saying like, oh, we don't eat that kind of food in this house and then the child, you know. So anyway, my brain is going through the what if. So I'm curious if you could give any advice on just some of the challenge you see, challenges you see of how this is struggle to be implemented sometimes. So you asked a couple of different questions and I want to make sure I, know, I remember sorry. them all. <laughs> what you started to talk about, what if the anxiety about what if they don't learn to eat fruits and vegetables, or they don't get enough protein. I think we, I'm not a dietitian. So let me, let me say that, um, as a, uh, a preface. Um, but generally I think we have not necessarily a realistic idea of how much protein our kids need. I think we read a lot of things that some are true, some aren't true. And so we have these ideas about what's right and what's wrong. And that influences what we do with our kids. And so getting calm about our own eating, which is what you um, really hit on there is so important because if we can't calm our anxiety about what if the future or if we can't calm ourselves and our anxiety around the what of eating, we are going to interfere in the division of responsibility. We're going to pressure, we're gonna bargain, we're gonna praise, we're gonna reward, or we're gonna withhold, right? You have to eat this before you can have that. Um, you can't leave the table until you do this. I once heard Ellen say, how many bites of broccoli or chicken does it take to be able to get a lollipop? Like, okay, take three bites of this. What is three bites going to, you know, I think we, we pick these arbitrary things and it's important for us to figure out what is that about? And so in my practice, um, anytime a family comes in for help and they're looking for an assessment because either their kid is so picky and they only eat five things or, um, and maybe their growth has faltered or on the other end of the spectrum, they're worried that their kid is overweight and that they're obsessed with food. I always start as part of the assessment with what, uh, what's the ECSI 2.0. Um, which is the eating competence instrument. And I look at parents eating competence because parents that are not eating competent have a more difficult time following a division of right. responsibility. I think that flows us into the next question, which is like, so as a dietitian, you know, families coming in, they're wanting me to immediately meet with the kids. And no, we, we most often, I would say 90% of the time, we start with the parents. And the common theme that I get in these sessions are, we're too far gone. I'm already at this point a short order cook. I literally am cooking 10 different meals, right, all day long for everybody's specific preferences. I'm exhausted. I have no idea where to start. And truly, if I start initiating the division of responsibilities, my entire home life is going to become chaotic. My kids are going to be pissed and no one's going to eat anything. Where do I start? 
I would say that that's chaotic, all of that. And I am exhausted hearing all of that. And so I start with compassion. Like, can you imagine what forces must be at play to motivate somebody to run themselves into the ground like that? And so I just start with compassion. Like you are doing your very best and everything you've done, you've done thinking out of love that you need to do this. And, and I'm here with you to work it out and I just, you know, help calm them because they're really worked up and everybody's miserable. And so um, if it's appropriate for everybody to be in the session, so it depends on really the age of the kids, um, I just wanna to offer support and be compassionate to everybody and just say, you know what? It doesn't sound like eating and food and mealtimes enjoyable for anybody and there's all this chaos. And the goal is for everybody to feel to feel good and to feel calm and to enjoy being together. And that is the goal. And that's where we start is how do we make meals more pleasant? Um, I love, there's a, it's somewhere on the website, the Ellen Satter website. It's called From the Cook. Have you ever read it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. Ellen wrote it, it's From the Cook. Um, and I think it's a great way of introducing um, how things are gonna go to families. And sometimes I'll have them uh, print it out and put it up on the wall. And, and it just explains how things are going to go. The, you know, the kitchen is, I don't, I don't have it recited. You know, I can't right. do it by memory. You can't memorize it. What's happening? I know I don't have it memorized, but essentially, <laughs> you know, letting everybody know that sometimes it's not going to be your favorite, but sometimes it is. And everybody's going to get a turn at that. I think it's important to reassure everybody and, and make sure parents have um, at least something, one or two things on the table that's acceptable, that they know that their kid can eat. So usually, you know, the easiest thing is bread, right? Or whatever culture we're talking about has its version of bread, whether it's rice or tortillas or um, rolls or potatoes. And, um, and so finding some things that, that show up on the table so that we can, again, as parents calm ourselves and our anxiety and know that like, okay, they're going to eat. Like it may not be what I want them to eat, but they're going to eat and it's going to be okay. And, um, and if they don't, there's another opportunity in a couple of hours, right? Cause we're regularly offering meals and snacks. I just want to give people permission, parents, that's a short order cook or another caregiver. You don't have to do that. That has to stop. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> that, that, yeah, really that has to stop. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about a family style meal, putting things on the table. And if kids are old enough to serve themselves, you know, really helping them develop competency so that um, it just takes a lot of pressure off and it can be very liberating to whoever's cooking. Mm -hmm. As a therapist who was a short order cook, because I went through a, a brief phase there where I had three kids in the peak of parental chaos and a traveling partner for work that it just became survival and 
I took the advice of my son's therapist, who also works with us as parents too, and she said the three hallmarks of calm parenting is calm, confidence, and no guilt. And I just remind myself of those and it completely shifted not only just parenting in other ways, but also that short order cook piece. So it's like, I will be calm, I'll be confident in what I'm doing, and I will have no guilt. Because the second that guilt comes up, I think that chaos starts coming up. So I just wanted to share that piece because I think that's kind of I love that. piggybacking on what you're sharing, that a lot of what's going on with this division responsibility confusion is what's going on in a lot of the parental confusion. And, and I get it. There's a lot of messages about food and health and nutrition and boundaries and manners. And it's just, there's so much that it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's easy to become chaotic. So if you can try to bring in those three things, it might shift the energy within you, which shifts the energy in the house. I think it's so important, Rachel, what you're saying, because never before has there been this amount of input of information. We are being inundated with information. I mean, when you were growing up, there wasn't, I mean, if we watch TV, it would come that way, but how else did it come? I mean, it's like TV, social media, it's, it's just... There's so much information in the internet. It's just too much. And so getting clear on how do I quiet the noise? How do I take control and, and be a guardian of what comes in? I think can be really helpful for you. You start listening to your son's, son's therapist. Mm-hmm. Um okay, if I'm going to take in information from the source, I'm going to quiet other things. I'm just not going to listen to that. I think this is the right way for us to go right now. I'm going to give this my best. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm basing my next step on. Yeah. I think you have for listeners, it's like you have three professionals sitting here saying, I totally hear you. We understand this information, right? We teach people this information for a living and we still all are experiencing the struggles and challenges of it. Like as a dietitian, you would think I would have a kid that literally devours all foods. Nope. Last night, he did not touch one ounce of his dinner, not one ounce of it. And this morning, Guess how many bowls of cereal and glasses of milk and strawberries this kid shoved in his face, right? It's like, wow, okay, I full heart, fully witness this kid being in charge of his own body and he's two and a half, but did I have to sit on my hands and bite my tongue last night to be like, why aren't you eating? But it's hard. So we hear you parents. We understand the struggles. And hopefully just giving you these little snippets of info can help calm that noise. I love that analogy there. It's so true what you're saying. I I mean, and we each have to figure out where that comes from for us. Looking at how we, um, our own experiences around food. You know, to say to my daughter at times to not, try, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to eat? Because you might be hungry later because I avoided hunger like the plague. Like I did not like being hungry. I feared hunger. So I never wanted to be hungry. And so I made sure I was full <laughs> um, and I didn't allow myself to get hungry. And, um, you know, experiencing hunger sometimes is not bad. Um, and it's just data. 
it's so when I can look at it more neutrally with more neutrality, um, it, it can help calm us down. But I think it's important to look at where, where is this coming from? Cause usually it's not about them. Well, and you're helping build your daughter's self-confidence. If you're constantly questioning her, then she's going to be like, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I can't trust my body. But if you're like, okay, I trust you. Wow. How validating that is. So, um, and it extends far beyond food. I know we're here talking about food, but, um, exactly. It extends way outside food. Mm -hmm. So I know you had originally or previously said, uh, a resource, uh, from the cook. Would there be, as we're kind of wrapping up here, would there be any other resources that you would recommend, um, courses from the ESI website? Yeah, there is something for everybody um, on the website. So if you're into books, I think um, I would start, I think Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family is a great place to start. Um, It's easily digestible. Um, and it covers a lot of different things. So, you know, whether it's picky eating or the child that maybe we think is, or afraid that they're eating too much. So secrets is a great, um, resource, um, for people if that want to give information in maybe smaller bite size nuggets, um, no pun intended, um, there are booklets, so we can give booklets to maybe schools or teachers just to, if we're interested in, in helping them understand how we're doing it. Um, if for people that aren't readers, there's webinars um, and the webinars are awesome, you know, classes on the platform. So there, there really is so much and there's so much information to get for free on the website. I don't know. I know you talk about it a lot, so you've probably been through the website, but there's like tunnels, you know, like that lead to all different places and just the information never stops. So there's a lot. Well, we love free and accessible resources. Can you tell us for those that maybe are listening and driving, can you tell us what the website is? Sure. It's ellensatterinstitute.org and Ellen is spelled with a Y, E-L-L-Y-N. Satter, S-A-T-T-E-R, institute.org. Well, thank you so much for coming on and providing us with these little bits of, these bite-sized bits of information. I literally, can you please go tell Ellen, hello from Tina LeBoy. There's a, there's a Facebook page, so you can tell her yourself if you want to. So there's a Facebook page for parents, um, it's Ellen Saller, Satter Institute. So they, people just can just, and then for professionals, there's the ESI clinical page and you can request to join. And so, um, you know, you could also, I will tell her hello, but you can do that. Too. I will definitely go on there. Yes. Be like, hi, Ellen, you don't know me, but yeah, <laughs> I don't want this to sound creepy. I don't want it to sound creepy. Yeah. It's getting, it's getting there. Creepy. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you so much, Kara. We appreciate it. It's good to be with you both. Bye-bye. That's a wrap on this episode of the Bite Size Education Series. And we hope this new information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. You can connect with us on social media, on Instagram, at MomJeansThePodcast, 
And feel free to email your own listener questions to momjeanspodcast at gmail.com. If you loved the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend the episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.